1: Hi, I'm Jennifer Wiggum.
2: And I'm Zach Glazer. And this is episode 387 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, Stephanie is talking with Jay Ruane about lawyers using systems to build their firms.
1: Today's podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists, LawPay, and MyCase. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support. Stay tuned, we'll tell you a little bit more about them later on.
2: So, Jennifer, Lawyerist is about, I think, community of, I don't want to say users, but it's a community. <laughs> of people. Of people who listen to the podcast, who read the reviews, who are in Lawyerist Lab, who are in our Facebook Insiders group. We really, I think, pride ourselves on, on trying to be connected with the community.
1: Yeah. I am the community director, so I feel especially engaged in that concept. And for me, I think knowing that we have people who interact with us on in a variety of ways, whether it's listening to the podcast, that Facebook group, like you said, through email. I mean, one of our things is client-centered service. And to me, everybody we talk to, whether they're paying us or not, is a client. And right. that really builds the community for us. It's really, really important to me and to all of us.
2: I think that's one of the things I kind of wanted to, to highlight is, you know, you are the community director and sometimes that feels like the person who is making sure that lab, you know, sometimes I limit that in my own mind to just lawyers lab, but it is and has always been people who read the book. It's the broader network. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to take today to make sure people knew that we like two-way conversation. Yes. We appreciate feedback. We like when people talk about what we're talking about, whether it's in the the insider group we have, we post a lot of questions there and get a lot of good discussions. Or, you know, we post a lot of things on Twitter and if people read the article that we post on Twitter or or listen to the podcast that we have specifically, let's say this podcast, if you have something to say about it, if it speaks to you, we'd love to hear feedback on that.
1: Yeah. I know Stephanie will often say this in the different workshops that she hosts is that she doesn't like to just stand at front of the room and just talk mm-hmm. with no feedback. There is no part of lawyerist that is standing at the top of the room and just yakking your ear off and the audience is sitting quietly. And I think that extends to all the other places that we post content. We don't want people to stand quietly. None of us like to just talk and talk and talk. Well, I can't speak <laughs> for myself, but but <laughs> without any feedback. It is so important to us. And that's why the word community, we mean it. Mm -hmm. We make changes based on feedback. We bring things back to our team meetings based on things we've heard people say in that Facebook group or on Twitter or in our lab community. We're always keeping in mind what everybody is saying because there's only, I think, 10 of us on the team right now. And we cannot possibly encompass all the knowledge that we need to run our jobs. And so... We mean it when we want to hear from you. I, you know, for example, in the in the insiders Facebook group, if you Facebook lawyers insiders, you'll find it and you can join. If you're a, a solo small firm attorney, you know, we asked people yesterday, what are what's your one tip for having a hard conversation with a client? Mm. We got so many good answers, and I was mm-hmm. thinking, if I was an attorney and I had that question, and I was able to go and see all these great answers, and I was able to interact with people. Man, that would really change, maybe something that was difficult for me. So we want to hear what you think about these topics. It's really important to us.
2: Absolutely, and and I think we like to think of ourselves as facilitating discussion. Yes, I had a professor in in college who called himself the facilitator scholar. He didn't like to lecture. He liked to get everybody to talk to each other, and I think that's how lawyers work a lot of times, or a lot of lawyers are comfortable that way. And so we do. We, we like that. We like getting feedback on these things. One of the places, though, that it's difficult to have a two-way conversation is with our book, The Small Firm Roadmap. But we still like to have <laughs> two-way conversations. This is a
1: very obvious. Like, you, we can't hear you when you're reading the book. <laughs> it is so Just to be clear, difficult. Zach wants you to know that don't talk to the book. We will not hear it.
2: I'm trying to solve that problem. <laughs> but I have been unsuccessful. But we, we do want to hear how the small firm roadmap has affected you, what you took away from it, how it affected your practice, what you might have changed in your own practice. Or, you know, I know there are people out there that read the small firm roadmap and thought, I can do this. I'm going to go ahead and go out. Like, I'm going to go out on my own. And we love that. Yeah. We love to hear how people are affecting their lives positively with these things. And we, and we'd like to hear the feedback. So you can find us in a lot of places. Obviously, (laughs) obviously you can email us at email at lawyers.com. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on Facebook group with the lawyerist insiders. Yeah. Any one of those methods we'd love to hear, but we'd particularly love to hear right now, some feedback on how the book affected you maybe stories on how it affected your, your practice or something like that.
1: And a fun part is, is we're working on the second edition right now. And if you're into it and the story is great, you could be in our second edition, which is cool. A published person.
2: That's fantastic. Okay. So yeah, we have a purpose for this. It's not just, it's not just me asking, throwing it out there. I'm not just hanging these on my wall or anything like that.
1: On your vision board? My
2: vision board. I I too would like my practice to to turn out like Kevin from Denver's.
1: Yeah. Shout out to Kevin from Denver.
2: Anyway, now here is Stephanie's conversation
3: with Jay. Hi, I'm Jay Ruane, and I guess you would call me a serial legal entrepreneur. At least that's what I'm telling people I am, because I've gotten to the point where I'm sort of out of my practice, and uh, I'm trying to do some new things, which have been really fun, but all of them are tied into law and the legal community. So that's really, I think what I am now at this point is just a serial legal entrepreneur.
4: I love it. Welcome to the show, Jay. I'm so excited to talk with you today. So I think too, though, as part of that, you didn't say this, but one of the things that you love, is it fair to say love, I'm going to use the word love is systems.
3: So I do love systems, Uh, and that's actually one of the things that I'm an entrepreneur about. Is you know I've got I've got a group of people, and you know we're at like 1,400 strong of people who share and talk systems all the time, and that's been my thing for the last I don't know decade or so, going around to legal conferences and and just you know spreading the gospel of how systems can save your firm, especially you know during COVID, it was a great thing for a lot of people that to actually take the time. To spend building systems, and and I love systems. I know other dads in my neighborhood will go to Home Depot or Lowe's every weekend and buy a new tool. I don't need those tools because I'm not a home improvement guy, but I'll build a new system for my law firm, and I'll and I'll love it, and I'll look at it, and it'll I'll, and maybe I'm the only one who ever looks at it, you know, because we have fifteen hundred or so systems, but it's a shiny system, and it makes me smile.
4: I love it. I know I love systems too. So maybe to kind of take us back, like. This is going to sound silly, but like, how did you come to love systems? Like, when did you realize how helpful they could be for your business?
3: So it really came down to, so I started my practice as with my father as a general criminal practice. And we had, you know, a little bit of everything come through the door in terms of criminal cases. So DUIs, assaults, a lot of drug dealing, it was the late nineties. So I had a, a number of drug crews that I represented, but there came a time when I decided to focus on DUI practice and I, I was quick to put up an, uh, a website that generated business that was coming in. But what I realized is that I don't really like the practice of law. Like 99% of it, I'd throw out the window. I love cross-examining police officers in a trial. But to get to that point, there's a lot of crap you got to wade through to get there. And so what I found was if I could apply systems to it, it allowed me to let others do the parts that I didn't like, or minimize the amount of effort I had to do into the things that I didn't like. Uh, and so systems became a tool that I could use to marshal my cases from beginning to end without having to expend you know, energy and bandwidth on the stuff that I just absolutely hated, hated, hated doing. Yeah. Um, and so it all started really with uh, a series of form letters. I was sick of taking the phone calls from the clients and having to explain the same thing over and over and over again uh and so i said you know what after we open a file every other day we're going to send a forum letter and it's going to explain the whole process they're going to get overwhelmed by mail but we need a way to do that so we literally i got in our folder i went out and i bought a you know a one foot by one foot stamp and my my assistant would open up the file folder and stamp it and that would have we fill out the dates each letter was sent this is back before you know Clio existed back before any of those things and so i just got my whole office working on systems uh and that paralegal is krista you've met her she's been with me ride or die for 23 years now Uh, and i'm actually thinking about what can i do with her next you know because she is a systems lover just like you and just like me (laughs)
4: yeah I think sometimes when people hear, like they hear it and they're listening to you right now and they're nodding their heads saying, I know, I know I should do this, but I'm so busy and I have all the other things going on. And I think sometimes it's that getting started. So I know you you have some probably some good thoughts and advice for that person who just needs to get going. Like, where do they even start?
3: So what I tell people is when you when you own a law firm, you really have two jobs, And your first job is to be the lawyer that your clients needs, because obviously, if you aren't that, you're going to lose your license and then everything goes away. But you need to think of owning your business as your side hustle, uh, your second job. And I tell people, look, pick a five, six, eight hour window. Maybe it's two, four hour windows over the course of the week. Block those things out. Uh, For me, it was always Friday night. You know, I am naturally an introvert. I, I, I don't mind being around people, but they drain me conversations drain me. And so I can remember being younger, starting off my practice. And after a, a normal Monday through Friday, the last thing I wanted to do was talk to me. I didn't want to go to a bar, I didn't want to go to a party. I, I just wanted to be alone, leave me alone. And let me but I wanted to make use of that time, I wasn't gonna sit in front of the TV and do nothing. So I spent Friday nights was my working on the business night, and I would use that to build my systems. And what I found early on, And what I found over the years really is that the Pareto principle really does apply even to systems. 20% of the systems that you write control 80% of the things that you do in your office. So if you can find that 20% of systems, you're gonna tremendously move the needle on your productivity, your quality of product, and all of those things, and not have to kill yourself for the other 80%. Now, like me, I get obsessive, I wanna get into what I wanna have. A million systems. I mean, I'm at the point now where I've hired one of our overseas workers. We're translating every system into Spanish with corresponding Loom videos in Spanish, so I can, you know, bring somebody in, no problem. But that's just me being crazy, right? That you know, that's just who I am uh, when it comes to systems. But if you just take a moment, figure out the what is it, why we're doing it, and how we do it, and the why is probably the most important, uh, and just walk through those things you're going to really set yourself up for success. If you just find the 20% that you're repeating, 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 make that systemized and and things, lovely things happen.
4: Yeah. I think that helps. And I like the idea of the 20% because I do think it people, we get ourselves overwhelmed thinking I have to do all the things. And you're like, no, let's just focus on the most, the next most important thing. Systematize that. And then you'll be, you'll free yourself up and you'll create that, energy and that time where you can then go to the next one and the next one
3: absolutely i mean the the problem is is i i when i go out and i and i give speeches and and i talk to people and they're like you have 1500 systems can i just buy all 1500 of them and i'm like yeah but you won't do anything with them you'll buy them they'll sit on a folder on your server no one will use them what's better take 10 minutes and write one system that you're going to use now i think you know your intake system is probably the best thing that you can do because that is the, the you know, the water that keeps the wheel turning, but just pick one and go with it and then get that. And then that's, you're going to see success and you're going to want to do another one. Don't try to buy these, uh, you know, uh, there, there's a time and a place for buying aftermarket systems that you can bolt onto your practice. In fact, I just hired a lawyer to work with my systems person because I'm at a point now where I have a person in my office whose job is our systems. Uh, and she's worked with me for ten years. She's done intake. She's done paralegal duties, and so I've made her our systems guru. Uh, and I hired a lawyer to say, "Hey, if we want to get into this practice area, we're going to need the systems for it. Let's hire you to work with them. We'll put this thing together, and then we'll make the decision whether or not we're going to buy. We're going to get into this practice area. But if we do, we've got the systems ready to go."
4: Yeah, that makes sense. That's that resonates. But you bring up another good point, which is. If I, the owner, like I can be involved, I can be in love with systems and I'm like all in, sometimes what we're, where we struggle is getting the buy-in from other team members. Like you even alluded to this yourself a little bit, like maybe there's some people on the team that are like, ah, Jay has 1500 systems. That's just a waste of time. time. Maybe it's, yeah. So how do you get other team members involved and bought in and using the systems once you create them?
3: So I think it starts, you know, before you even onboard your staff where you start talking about how you're a systems based firm before you hire. So everybody comes in knowing that. But there's a transition point and an inflection point, I guess, when you have existing people. And I think you need to have a sit down and talk to them and say, look, a lot of people are nervous if they are in a support position that if you systemize something, they're going to lose their job because, well, then you could hire somebody cheaper who's going to do it. Yes. Yes, I can. I can. Hopefully, you are so valuable to me that we can find a better position for you. For example, my systems person now in my office, I have found her to be the systems person because I don't need her on intake anymore. I don't need her as a paralegal anymore. I can get people who are overseas doing her job cheaper, but she has that value to me to keep her around because of that. She was initially very skeptical about any of our remote workers. She was nasty to them when we started because she thought they were foreigners who were coming in to take her job. Now, I think she's realizing they took off a lot of a burden off of her and allows her to get deeper with the clients, focus on things that are going to move the needle for job satisfaction for her and her team move job satisfaction in terms of our clients having satisfaction with our services and so i think um you know it takes a while and then there are those people who are not going to be systems oriented and if you want to be a systems oriented firm and they don't want to be well it's nice that you can retain a professional working relationship it's not the place for you anymore and i and i i don't want to monopolize the conversation but There is a story about Elon Musk, and he I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions about him, but he had a secretary assistant, whatever you want to call it, for a number of years. And uh, she wanted a raise and went to him and said, hey, look, I'm interested in a raise. And he said, You know what? Why don't you take a two week vacation? I'm going to think about it and then we're going to move on. And when he came back, he said, You know what? It's time for you to leave. I don't need you doing one of this. I need a per. I need three people filling what you did in each one of these roles. I need a calendar person. I need a you know a, a personal life uh, assistant. I need a professional networking assistant, and I need three different people to do the one job that you've been doing well. But those people have skill sets that are above yours, and you let her go. And that's the life cycle of a law firm or any business. There are people who are meant to be with you for two years. 10 years, 20 years, maybe your lifetime, or maybe somebody comes in for six months and that's okay. We're not getting married here. We're working together. And and even some marriages break down and they say, you know, you were great for me in my twenties, but I'm in my forties now. And I have a different outlook on life. I need to change who I'm married to, uh, you know, to have life satisfaction. Same thing with the firm. People aren't necessarily meant to be with you the entire time you have a firm. Yeah. If you get them, you know,
4: no, that resonates and and I agree like if you know you're a systems-based firm, it has to be part of your hiring process. You have to ask those questions and you have to figure that out because not everyone is, you know, built that way and you need to find what's going to work for your team, so that makes a lot of sense.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
4: All right. Any other kind of improvements you've seen or tangible results as a result of you having all these systems? I mean, I guess I know some, but I'd love for you to share a few with the listeners cuz I don't think probably they appreciate just how much your firm has changed because of the systems you've implemented.
3: Well, I mean, the, the reality was, is back before we had systems, my full-time job was, was a fireman. I was, how are we going to solve this problem? Oh, the paychecks didn't come this week. The internet went down. I mean, the, you know, it's interesting today at the office, the internet went down. We had Comcast in here to upgrade our modem. The guy left and nobody's got internet. Well, we have a system for if, you know, in case of emergency and literally we have, you know, everything from a lawyer gets injured on the way to court to there's an active shooter on campus. How do you respond to all of these things? Uh, And one of the systems we have is what to do when the internet goes down. And so I didn't have to get involved. My office lead took over, followed the instructions and, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, we're back online uh, and everything is a okay, uh, you know. So I I don't want to be the 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 fire person putting out the fires because that taxes my bandwidth. It doesn't allow me to think bigger things uh, about where the firm is going and what we can do. I can do it, you know. I can jump in and solve problems if somebody is stuck. I, my people don't have a problem coming to me and saying, "Hey Jay, I really need your help with this." But overall, if we can anticipate or document how we dealt with a crisis then everyone's got a solution and you know at the end uh, everybody wins and from an employee perspective that gives them faith that this thing isn't just a ship bobbing in the seas but we have a course that's we've charted we're heading there and they can feel comfortable that they are not going to walk into a fire breaking out that nobody else can solve because that's stressful mm-hmm. that's very stressful for a frontline employee if they have to anticipate oh god i don't know what's going to happen tomorrow i guess some people thrive on it but i think from an employee's perspective if you can take out like for example we're updating our crm and uh, i pushed live with our developer a new category categorization thing that we want to do my my wife got four slack messages saying i see this new thing what's going on and i said ah you know I told them to push that live, but we haven't integrated it fully yet. Just tell them we're going to have a firm line meeting. I'll explain everything when we get there. Uh, I probably should not have pushed that live because employees, rightfully so, when things change, they get anxious. They get nervous. They don't know, you know, Jay could want want to be a judge. What happens to my job if Jay decides to become a judge and tomorrow everything is shut down? Oh, my, like, their whole lives change. They want stability. Systems bring stability.
4: Yeah, love it. All right, we got to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. When we come back, I want to shift the conversation slightly to what you're doing on the sales side because it's another opportunity, I think, for us to learn something different.
2: The Lawyers Podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists. As an attorney, do you ever wish you could be in two places at once? You could take a call while you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting, or schedule an appointment with a client while you're elbow deep in an important case? Well, that's where Posh comes in. Posh is a team of professional U.S.-based live virtual receptionists who are available 24-7, 365. They answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. With Posh handling your calls, you can devote more time to billable hours and building your law firm. And the convenient Posh app puts you in total control of when your receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is always just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Even better, Posh is extending a special offer to lawyerist listeners. Visit posh.com forward slash lawyerist to learn more and start your free trial of Posh Live Virtual Receptionist Services. That's posh.com forward slash lawyerist. And from LawPay, the gold standard in payments for the legal industry. For more than 15 years, our partners at LawPay have been helping lawyers get paid faster. In fact, 62% of bills sent via LawPay are paid the same day. To learn how you can enjoy faster and more reliable payments, schedule your demo at lawpay.com forward slash lawyerist. And from my case, tired of wasting time on administrative tasks? Want to bill more hours, get paid faster, and ensure the success of your team? With my case law practice management software, your firm will have access to all the tools needed to run more efficiently. Digitize your client intake manage documents in one place, and track every billable hour so you can focus on what matters most to your firm. MyCase is an affordable, all-in-one solution that gets your business up and running quickly. Hundreds of lawyers have rated MyCase the number one legal case management software. After making the switch to MyCase, one law firm saved over 100 hours per month, time that would have otherwise been spent on tedious administrative tasks. It's time to choose a case management software that works for you. If you're looking to supercharge the growth of your firm, go to MyCase.com forward slash Lawyerist and sign up for a free trial. Right now, Lawyerist listeners get three months at no cost on a new annual plan. Offer cannot be combined with other discounts. Visit MyCase.com forward slash Lawyerist to get started.
4: All right, I'm back with Jay. And Jay, one of the things that I think is probably a natural progression from all your systems is how you've thought about your sales and marketing team at your firm. And I would love for you to share a little bit about that and what you do, because I think it's different than how a lot of firms maybe approach this part of the process.
3: Sure. So we are in the the B2C space, right? We sell legal services to the consumer. Ours is criminal, but it could be trusted estates. It could be divorced. So what we need to do is we actually need to get paid. You know, we get paid up front. Uh, And that's a major component of our process is making sure that we get paid. But it also requires our people to have some ability to sell. And I'm not talking just the person whose job it is to be on the phone or in the consult to close the potential client. I know there's some negative connotation to that, but I don't think there should be because our job is to provide legal services and make people's lives better. By charging them for what we do. I mean, that you know, in a perfect world, we'd all have to be billionaires and and not need to charge for anything, but that's not the real world. So the better my firm operates, the more people I can serve. That's my philosophy. But, you know, we have taken the process away from the lawyer who's doing the work, having to interact with the lead, because quite frankly, that lawyer doesn't need to know anything about the case until they have the case, until it's a signed client. And think about it from a, an employee, uh, from a, a client perspective. You know, I've given you 10 or $20,000 to do a job. I want your attention on my job. I don't want you taking an hour or three hours out of the day that you could be focusing on my legal problems and having to go fishing to find new clients. Because my problems are important problems and they need and should be settled and resolved as quickly as legally possible. And so we split down sort of down the middle, you know, to our intake, our sales and intake team and our legal ops team. And so what we do is, you know, a person comes in, we are selling in that term uh, as soon as the phone gets answered by having cheery people on the phone. They pass it to an intake person who begins the culling of information, then goes to a sales lawyer uh, who talks a little bit more because in the criminal space, people wanna talk to a lawyer right away. You know, they're they're expecting to talk to the lawyer or at least a lawyer right away. And, and there's some gravitas that goes with that. So I have a partner who um, had a child right before COVID and stayed home uh, with the baby. And then she was able to continue with uh, being our sales lawyer. Then uh, her wife had another child at the uh, at the real end of COVID uh, who was a preemie, couldn't get any vaccines. So they locked themselves in the house and and she's been doing sales almost exclusively now for, for three years and is loving it because she can run that whole division and really stay abreast as to what's going on. But um, even after you talk to the sales lawyer, you go back to the original intake person. If you're ready to pay, you'd go to the finance person. They could take your payment. So you're having a number of touch points. And I came to that sort of in a weird way, but uh, it seems to really work for for our office.
4: Yeah, so tell us a little bit, because as I understand it, some of this came from a, a book that you read. And so yes. what happened?
3: So I don't know if uh, listeners uh, remember, but there was this really freaky dude who had a VH1 show. I think it was the pickup artist. I mean, I know that was the Robert Downey Jr. thing. Uh, but he was a guy named Mystery. And Mystery was going to teach loser nerds how to pick up women. And I was a loser nerd at the time. But, I, you know, I also read a lot of magazines. I, I, I can't read a full book. I, I don't know. I used to – law school ruined reading for me. I can't read books – anymore, but I I still like to read. So I would devour magazines. And I used to read Rolling Stone. Neil Strauss was an author on the payroll at Rolling Stone. He would write articles, and I really liked him as uh, as an author. So I saw that their book came out that he wrote called The Game. And it was Neil's time living in Los Angeles with this guy, Mystery, and a whole bunch of people that he was teaching how to pick women up. And it's a really, I mean, it's a terrible book in, in uh, how they, you know, it's about conquest. It's not about relationships. Right. But as, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, you know, there are corollaries to the sales process here. And if a person could meet somebody, pick them up and get them to go home with them that night, I can use some of the lessons learned from that book in my sales process I was more concerned about my sales process than using these skills to go out because I wasn't about to insult somebody or wear a crazy hat, you know, like they wanted people to do at bars. And I just didn't (laughs) want to go to bars and meet people that way. It's just not my style. I mean, I met my wife at the courthouse, but I took from the book, the concept that they use is that when you first meet somebody in an establishment, if you get them to quickly go with you to a second place, and then a third place, you are creating three distinct memories in their brain about them interacting with you. So you immediately sort of create, oh, we've been we've been friends a long time in their mind because I can remember going to bar A, studio C, and, and then, uh, you know, club D. And so in the back of their head of the conquest, I guess, they've got all of these shared experiences with you and the barriers come down because... They've experienced four different things with you over the course of one night. It's not just, oh, we met at a bar, but I'd never go home with a person I met at a bar and only that bar. But shit, we've been to four places. We've got a deeper relationship. And I said to myself, what if instead of them calling in, talking to one person and then hanging up the phone, I had them talk to multiple people in my office and develop those relationships so we could talk about the fact that, oh, you have a, you have a French bulldog? Well, I have an English bulldog. Uh, you know, that type of thing and develop rapport. And if you've got rapport with three people in an office or you've got a lawyer that they called who says, bring me $2,500 and meet me at the courthouse, naturally, most people are going to go with the relationship that they have more rapport with. So we have a, a defined intake process where it's a number of steps that you're going to talk to a number of people. And even if you're not ready to pay today, you're going to talk to the person who's going to take your payment. Hey. Hey. You know, I'm so-and-so, I take the payments here. If you have any questions about your payments, you can always call and ask for me. I'm happy to talk to you. I know you're not ready to retain right now, but I'm here for you. If you have any questions, if you need to structure a different way, just let me know. I'm going to pass you back now to your intake coordinator, who's been the one who's been shepherding this call. Have a great day. Takes a moment. It's a script, under a minute. And the person says, oh, okay. Okay. Great thing is now they know who Michelle is. And so when they need to make a payment, they call up and say, can I talk to Michelle? So it's not, oh, I need to make a payment. Who do I talk to? They want to talk to Michelle. And then when Michelle calls and says, hey, your credit card needs to be updated, they know that's why Michelle is calling because it's a finance thing. So those are the types of things that we do um, in our intake process. And it is somewhat laborious. It takes a a little longer, but we found great success with it.
4: I love that you read somewhat of a creepy book, (laughs) but it's
3: very creepy. I mean, you can still read it. That's out there.
4: Yes. Not that we want to promote the book, but (laughs) that there was a lesson to be learned about and that you could apply it to your sales process is probably the better takeaway for us to remember. Yes,
3: for sure. For sure. My wife would be embarrassed that I read that book, uh, but I swear it was I was I like the author. I said, let me give the book. It's, it's a it's a fun read. It's a quick read, but uh, it is kind of creepy that they were using these. And it was neuralistic programming uh, and literal linguistic programming and all that stuff. Um, I don't get into that. But but boy, you know, the stages of an intake where you're talking to multiple people has really done wonders for my practice. And and anybody can implement that. Uh, in theirs.
4: Yeah, I think that's the takeaway for us. And, and the the rapport that you have your team building. And quite frankly, the fact that you have a team, because I think a lot of lawyers are still are doing all those sales calls themselves. And the fact that you can write the scripts and have the process, which means that you don't have to be involved in the sales process. And we talked about this when I was visiting you a couple of months ago, there are still people who call and want to talk to Jay, Hey, but I want to hire Jay. But your team is trained on how to handle that and they they know how to answer those questions and how to get that person comfortable that it's a team and it's not just Jay.
3: Right. It's a team and, and they usually start with, oh, no, you don't want Jay. <laughs> oh, you definitely don't want Jay. <laughs> Jay gets involved when somebody has run over like a busload of nuns and they were drunk and high. So if you get seen walking into the courthouse with Jay... That's not gonna you want somebody else here and we've got the perfect person for you. Let me tell you a little bit about Dan or 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 you know whomever. Rob, right? Well, you're gonna love Rob. You know, he they start selling my lawyers immediately. Oh, I know the lawyer who handles that courthouse. Oh, she's great. Uh she's so friendly. He, she's so reassuring. I love when I'm able to get her a new client. Yeah. It just it all works out. We're all in this together.
4: Perfect. Well, there's so much more we could talk about. We'll have to have you back. But this has been great. I know we've given everyone who's listening, a lot of things that they should be thinking about for changes in their practice. So thank you for being on. (laughs)
3: Thanks for having me. This has been great.
0: The Lawyerist podcast is edited by Brittany Felix. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at Lawyerist.com forward slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to Lawyerist.com forward slash community forward slash lab to schedule a 10-minute call with our team to learn more. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.